0: Yesterday, December 7, 1941, a day that will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. This attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. During the intervening time, the Japanese government has deliberately sought to deceive the United States by false statements of hope for continued peace. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. Very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. With confidence in our armed forces, with the abounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. I ask that Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire.
1: With these words and more, President Roosevelt asked Congress to declare war on Japan. Lovely Pearl Harbor, a U.S. naval base near Honolulu, Hawaii, with its gentle breezes and breathtaking scenery, became a scene of carnage that is still etched in the minds of Americans. And that is why, on December 7th, we celebrate Pearl Harbor Day.
0: Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis.
1: Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I am so glad you're here. And today we are talking about a somber subject. But like all of history, there is always a lesson to learn. Today we're going to talk about the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. That surprise attack happened just before 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. You see sailors and nurses pilots they're all resting or getting ready for church a few were on duty but not many suddenly out of nowhere fighter pilots appeared on the horizon when they were finished their attack eight battleships would be destroyed or damaged over 300 airplanes would not be able to fly again worst of all 2400 americans lost their lives in a brutal, senseless attack from a people who were saying, peace, peace, we want peace with you. They were saying, peace, peace, and there was no peace. So my question to you, was the attack on Pearl Harbor a big surprise? Well, there is always a story. Let me take you back in time. At the very end of the 1800s, Japan was going through a huge shift. The shoguns were on their way out, and the emperor's power was increasing. Along with that, Japan was taking notice of what was going on in the world, especially over in Europe. After all, the Europeans were quite busy beavers in the Pacific with all kinds of colonies like French Indochina and Dutch Indonesia. Japan started thinking about colonizing sleepy little Korea. When Prussia beat France in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, Japan saw Prussia as the country to imitate. In imitation of Prussia, Japan became very militaristic. Even the emperor started dressing in military attire. In addition, Japan started moving in on Korea. China didn't like it because China wanted to rule over Korea. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? Don't touch my friend because I want to boss her around. They ended up going to war and Japan won. That was in 1894. Now, let me tell you, Japan, as a result of winning the war, got Port Arthur and Taiwan. She also got to kick China out of Korea. But the Western world was not happy. They raised such a ruckus that japan gave port arthur back to china but she wasn't happy now with china out of the way russia moved into korea and started butting heads with japan so you get this here's poor little korea Korea just can't get a break. First, China wants to rule over her. Then Japan wants to step in, and Japan kicks China out. And now that China's out, Russia thinks, okay, I'm going to kick Japan out, and I'm going to rule over Korea. So that conflict led to war. And guess who won the war? Japan. Japan beat a European power? Are you kidding me? Yes. Everybody took notice the entire world said what Japan beat a European power in fact President Teddy Roosevelt of the United States was so flabbergasted that he invited a representative from Japan to meet with him in New Hampshire and though Japan won the war she didn't get what she wanted because you see big powers they want to make sure the balance of power stays pretty much the same so that they don't end up in a war or end up losing some of their power. Anyway, what happened is, as time went on, Japan continued to try to get into Korea. And finally, in 1910, Korea officially became a part of Japan, at least in Japan's eyes. Japan formally annexed Korea. Now, let me tell you how Japan handled things in World War I, because this is important for you to understand what was going on in Japan decades before World War Two. Germany had some territories in China. So what Japan said to England was, I will fight Germany in the Pacific and the Indian Ocean, but if you guys in England win, we want German territories. So you know how World War I was. It was really hard. And England thought, well, we'll take whatever help we can get. So they said, okay, Sure. You help us fight in the Pacific, and if we win, we will give you Germany's territories. So by the end of World War I, Japan had extended her territory by taking over Germany's colonial possessions in China and also in Oceania. Now, that's a pretty big deal because you have to realize that by helping out the Allies... Japan was growing her empire. Now, the reason I'm sharing that with you is because... So often when we learn about World War I, we just hear, okay, all the allies fought together, and they stopped oppression, and you know then the world was good. But that's not really how things work all the time. Russia used World War II to expand her empire, and Japan used World War I to expand her empire. So anyway, that's just something to keep in mind when you're studying wars. Go beyond what facts of who fought on what side and find out why did they fight on that side. In 1925, a U.S. general toured the military forces in Asia and wrote up a report about the military might and aggressiveness of the Japanese. And he warned that Pearl Harbor was a sitting duck. So this is in 1925. He wrote up his report. He had toured Asia the year before, and he said, Hey, guys, um, hello, hello, hey, everybody, Um, Pearl Harbor is a sitting duck. And after reading his report, Key U.S. military officials took steps to make sure that an attack on Pearl Harbor would never happen. Not, that's not what they did. They completely ignored the report or they criticized it. So I thought that was really interesting. That was almost 20 years before the attack on Pearl Harbor. The next thing that happened is in 1927, Japanese military leaders secretly drew up the Tanka Memorial. Now, what is a of Memorial? It was basically a plan, a blueprint for conquering all of the Far East. And by Far East, I mean China, Korea, Japan, Oceania, moving in toward India. So from India over, that's kind of what we consider the Far East. And then add Oceania in that. And this is that. Tanaka Memorial. It's a blueprint, and they wanted to do this. So the first thing they had to do was drive the United States and Great Britain and all of the other Western powers out of the Pacific. And this dream was nicknamed, or this was sort of of something in Japanese culture: the eight corners of the world under one roof. And so the eight corners of the world. We think what eight corners? Okay, well the world's a sphere, so you know whatever. But that was kind of a saying and an ideal, a philosophy, eight corners of the world under one roof. And of course, that roof would be Japanese. So Japan had already been preparing for war in the Pacific. Young men were taught from an early age how to engage in battle. Schools were very militaristic. Some of the teachers were army officers who lectured the impressionable boys that it was their duty to die if necessary to help Japan fulfill its divine destiny of conquest. So basically, Japan felt called to conquer all of the Far East, all of Oceania, and it was their divine call. So now, starting in 1931, this is 10 years before the attack on Pearl Harbor, Every graduate of the Japanese Naval Academy had to answer this question on their final exam How would you carry out an attack against Pearl Harbor? Now, what's interesting about that is if you think 10 years and just think of how many people graduated from the Japanese Naval Academy, just think of how many different answers that Japanese admirals could go through, Japanese generals could go through to figure out what would make a good plan to attack Pearl Harbor. So kind of that was a pretty creative way to get a lot of information. That same year that they started asking that exam question, they invaded Manchuria. Japan invaded Manchuria to extend its empire further. So now they are occupying Manchuria, the former German territories, and now they're expanding further. Now, that was not enough for the Japanese. In the mid-1930s, Japan started creeping over the Great Wall to conquer the rest of the nation. By 1937, what we call the Ningjing Massacre happened, and this is basically that the Japanese soldiers pillaged, plundered, raped, looted, and murdered hundreds of thousands of Chinese. And you heard that right. I didn't mean thousands of Chinese. I mean hundreds of thousands of Chinese those who survived were made into slaves and all the Westerners that were there in China at the time were thrown into concentration camps many people starved to death or died of disease in those camps many Westerners and the Japanese were brutal now do you remember Eric Little who you know the movie about him chariots of fire and he refused to run on Sunday in the Olympics? Well, he was actually, after that, he went back to China and became a missionary, and he was actually taken into one of those camps, and he died there, I'm sorry to tell you. So it was was some interesting movies that were made by that, but it's a very, very, very horrific thing, and you have to realize that different cultures have different worldviews. Our worldview has moved so much away from Christianity, but there's still some basic Christian aspects. Of the Western worldview. Those weren't necessarily there with the Japanese. In 1940, Japan signed a treaty with Hitler and Mussolini. That treaty was called the Pact of Steel. Now, when the United States, over like we're far away from Japan, but we're hearing about all that's going on in China and we're hearing about all that's happened in manchuria and the united states is getting nervous they're not happy with japan's behavior and they're not happy with the fact that they are appearing to be very aggressive very militaristic and so they decided to use economic sanctions and trade embargoes hit them where it hurts our leader said and instead japan just dug her heels and they would not retreat they would not surrender But on the surface, their diplomats were meeting with U.S. diplomats saying, Hey, we just want peace. And you remember how Hitler would say, Hey, just give me this one part and I'll stop. I'll stop. But no, he was aggressively going to take over as much of the world as he could. And that's where Japan was. No, no, no. We're not going to expand any further. I know we've totally like murdered and pillaged China, but you know, we're done. This is all we want. And, of course, it wasn't true. Now, that leads us to 1941, and we're going to talk about the attack on Pearl Harbor after this message.
0: History shouldn't be boring. Meredith and Laura have some exciting new ebooks to bring the fun and excitement back into history. Studying the Middle Ages? Get Let's Have Our Own Medieval Banquet and Cook Up Some Fun. Studying ancient history? How about making some recipes from the ancient history cookbook? Or get some creative ideas from Let's Have Our Own Olympic Games or Let's Have Our Own Archaeological Dig? These books are available at Amazon.com The e-books are available at PowerlineProd.com Powerline Productions exists to serve you. We want to equip you to be joyful and successful in your homeschooling adventure. Powerline Productions being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis.
1: Welcome back. Today we are talking about Pearl Harbor Day, which is December 7th, and we're remembering the vicious attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Now, in the year of 1941, by the time we're we're here, we've talked, you know, kind of brought, gotten up to this point, Japan was occupying Manchuria, China. Korea, Vietnam, Formosa, and other islands. And this was only the beginning. So early in the morning on December 7th, 1941, Japanese warplanes headed to their destinations. Now, something that you need to keep in mind is that we always think in terms of Pearl Harbor, but Pearl Harbor wasn't the only destination that day. Some of the planes flew to the Philippines, others to Wake Island, others went to Guam or Midway, or Shanghai, or Malaya, or Hong Kong, or Singapore, or Thailand. So they, it wasn't just, we're going to attack Pearl Harbor, although that was the biggest attack. They were going to all these other places that were occupied by Westerners, and they were going to get them out. So the biggest and worst of all the attacks that morning was on Pearl Harbor in Oahu, Hawaii, where the United States had most of its Pacific fleet. Western leaders were expecting Japan to attack the Dutch East Indies, Singapore, or Indochina, and they did attack Singapore, but they never thought. They would come all the way to Hawaii, even though that general had written that report. The reason they didn't is because Hawaii is in the middle of the Pacific. You know how you always hear Hawaii called the crossroads of the Pacific? Well, Hawaii was 4,000 miles from Japan and 2,000 miles from the U.S. mainland. Now, I realize 2,000 miles is a long distance, but the distance from Hawaii to Japan was even further. So here people are like, no one is expecting Pearl Harbor to be attacked. Tora, 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 or Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Lieutenant Commander Mitsu Fuchido commanded the other bombers through his radio at 7.53 in the morning. He was the lead bomber. That was the code word for the Japanese Imperial Navy to begin their surprise attack over the United States Army and Naval bases in Hawaii at Pearl Harbor. Two minutes later, the Japanese fighter pilots attacked. When the attack was over, the U.S. Pacific Fleet was crippled. Ships lay at the bottom of the ocean. Planes were just smoking ruins. The surprise military attack came in two waves from six different Japanese aircraft carriers. There were over 300 planes involved in the attack, and they used Fighter planes, bombers, and torpedo planes. Four United States battleships were sunk, and the other four were damaged. Other ships, subs, and planes were destroyed, too. Worst of all many Americans, over 4,000 Americans were killed or wounded. Now what Japan was hoping to accomplish is to keep the United States from helping Britain or from retaliating against Japanese aggression in China. But the plan completely backfired. Because what rose up in America was righteous indignation. And this sleepy American giant arose. The next day, President Roosevelt marched over to Congress to ask for a declaration of war. He also addressed the nation via radio. Yesterday, he said, December seventh, 1941, a date that will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. No matter how long it may take to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people and their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. Congress declared war, and now the United States was part of the battle that we remember as World War II. On December 11th, Germany declared war on the United States. And a few hours after that, the United States declared war on Germany. So what was the Japanese plan? Well, they wanted to destroy our Pacific fleet. That way we couldn't fight back as Japan spread across the Pacific. But the bigger plan was to get Americans and Europeans out of the Pacific and to expand their empire to the eight corners of the Pacific. At 7.53 a.m., the Japanese pilots headed to their goal. At 8 a.m., the planes were over Pearl Harbor, dropping bombs and bullets. At 8.10, the USS Arizona was bombed, sinking with more than a 1,000 men trapped inside. The USS Utah was gone, too. The other seven ships were badly damaged. Dry dock, airfields, planes were all damaged. It was almost impossible to take to the skies to fight back. However, though battleships were destroyed... All of our Pacific Fleet's aircraft carriers were away from base. Isn't that so interesting? And I love that because that is the protection of God. So our whole fleet was not wiped out. And praise God, storage depots, repair shops, shipyards, and submarine docks remained intact. So now they could repair things, they could build things, they could make plans. So did America lay down and take defeat and refuse to fight such a formidable foe? No way. The Japanese were very scary enemies. But that's a whole nother podcast. And I'm not going to talk about the Pacific Theater of the War, because that is a whole nother podcast. But I do want to look at some life lessons from that. And here's life lesson number one. It's not what you say, it's what you do. As Japan expanded, and they were making all these plans to conquer all of Asia and Oceania, the leaders were talking to our leaders about how much they wanted peace. But you see, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Jesus said it this way, you will know them by their fruit. We can believe lies that something is safe. A person and a nation are not safe because of their soothing words. Actions speak louder than words. And this is true in nations interacting with other nations this is true in political parties and what they say and what they stand for but this is also true in our individual relationships you know we can hear people say words to us that make us feel good and make us feel like they are safe people but we have to look at the fruit of their life and see are they safe people are they people who want peace with us or are they gossiping behind our back are they people who say they really care about the downtrodden and are compassionate but then do they bully people and take advantage of people we need to learn to not just listen to people's words but we need to watch what they do as a nation when we interact with other nations we need to watch what other nations do just because they tell us they want peace with us doesn't mean a thing it depends on how they behaved so life lesson number 2 when the us was battered at pearl harbor she rose up with a sword in her hand when we're pushed down attacked and destroyed We have to rise up with a sword in our hand. And you know what... Our enemy, the Bible tells us, are spiritual forces of darkness. Our enemies are Satan and his host of demons. And sometimes he uses people to destroy us, to hurt us. But people are not our enemies. Our enemies is the kingdom of darkness. And we can't just lay down and die. And if we wake up one day and our ships are down at the bottom of the ocean... We need to look around because God has protected our aircraft carriers and God has protected our repair shops. God stays with us. And even when the enemy wins a little battle against us, God is not finished and God is fighting for you. But we need to pull up the sword of the spirit and we need to declare the promises of God and we need to declare the truth and we need to push the darkness back and we need to stand and we need to fight. And so often we can develop this passive spirit that says, Oh, I just can't do it. Life is too hard. I just want to give up. But let me tell you something life is not too hard. Jesus gave you his very great and precious promises. Jesus gave you the sword of his word, and it is full of truth. And when the devil lies to you, you stand up with your sword and you declare the truth because one of the life lessons that we learn from the attack of pearl harbor is that the japanese were very hard to beat and win they did things like dig tunnels and they would think they conquered the japanese but they'd been hiding in the tunnels or escaping in the tunnels and they came around the other side Uh oh wait i'm not supposed to talk about them right now i'm just supposed to talk about the attack on pearl harbor But my point is, they were a formidable foe. They were so, so hard to beat. But you know what? The allies beat the Japanese, and they may have been aggressive, and they may have been militaristic, and they may have wanted the eight corners of the world under their roof, but God said no, and God protected and fought with our people, and when you're facing disaster and you're facing hardship, God is with you, he will not abandon you, and you are going to win. God bless you, and have a wonderful holiday.
0: Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.